What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every single day. Free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you Monday through Friday. So make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. They did it. The Portland Trailblazers did it. They did it. You probably didn't think they were going to do it tonight, but they did it. They had their worst loss of the season. They lose to the Lakers 121-112 in in, in a, a game that can be generously described as the worst loss of the year. There are worse words you could use. If you watch the game closely, I imagine you use them in your living room or perhaps in the stadium or wherever else you might have caught the game. <laughs> Yeah, listen, I didn't want this to be this way. I I really thought at halftime that this was going to be a game to gloat, a game to make fun of the Lakers, a game to make fun of Russell Westbrook, a game to clown LeBron James who's a good stats bad team monster, a game to make fun of the a game to make fun of the Lakers, which is or an episode to make fun of the Lakers, which is Literally, just like, it's a gift. It's, I'm, I'm a freaking Blazers podcaster. There's no greater gift than 35 free minutes structured by me to make fun of the Los Angeles Lakers. And then the Portland Trail Blazers blew a 25-point halftime lead. Got outscored by 34 points in the second half after a historically dominant second quarter. And we're not, we're not really in in contention to win the game in the final three minutes got to basically miracle point with three minutes left in a game they led by 25 at halftime we're going to talk about the game we are going to talk about the changes that absolutely have to follow a game like this what is realistic to change what isn't realistic to change and what i think just like why i think if you trot out something similar when they play again on Wednesday evening, why it's why it's it's, it's just, why they simply cannot do it. But let's do what we do first. <laughs> they play Monday night tomorrow night against the Spurs. Sorry, I got, I'm I'm confused about my schedule. Let's do what we do first. Got 24 hours, to, I guess, to fix this against a really terrible team. So they could top this one. But let's let's do what we do. Fastest recap in the West. Let's get into it. The Blazers lose this game 121-112. They were down 33-26 in the uh after the first quarter. They actually were down big in that first quarter. Down, you know, were down early and, and played well to get back in it, to make this a more competitive basketball game. Um, you felt like, oh, okay, you know, they're they're down 14 that first quarter, and it's like Man, another slow start. And then they they get they get themselves back in it. They take a lead in the second quarter, and then they went nuts. With just over seven minutes left, Patrick Beverly and Damian Lord get into a chirping match, just kind of just talking talking smack to each other at the foul line while Damian Lord shooting free throws. And Damian Lord tells Patrick Beverly, "I will beat your butt." That's uh, not exactly what he said, but I'm paraphrasing. The Blazers from that point forward outscored the Los Angeles Lakers thirty-one to eight. They took a 71-46 lead into halftime. They outscored the Lakers 45-13 in the second quarter. They were 9 of 12 from three, while the Blazers went 6 of 21 from the field with seven turnovers in the second quarter alone. 
coughing the ball up. Blizzards get hot. Amphrey Simons gets hot. Damon Lord gets hot. Damon Lord, after a Russell Westbrook air ball, took a 40-footer and cashed it in, a shot that made Abu Baji on the bench drop his jaw, and the Blazers go into halftime up 25, riding the largest margin, plus 32, in franchise history, outscoring an opponent by by the widest margin in the history of the franchise, plus 32. And they gave it all away after that. They were outscored 40-20 to 20 in the third quarter. They still cling to an 91-86 lead. The Lakers came all the way back. up five, Down five. Blazers kind of held on. Lakers didn't take the lead until a Thomas Bryant little hook floater push shot in the paint with five minutes and eight seconds left gave the Lakers a lead. While the Blazers are crumbling down, their coach doesn't take a timeout. He does not call a timeout until there's four and a half minutes left in the quarter while they have crumbled at one point a 25-point lead and a five-point lead in the in the quarter, and now they've given it up, and they're down five, and Chauncey Billups takes a timeout. Dennis Schroeder, three, puts the, the Lakers up five, and Billups takes a timeout. They did not take the lead again after that Thomas Bryant buck in the final five minutes. They didn't really have like a, a true shot to have the ball and the lead. I mean, they had a moments, but um, in the final three minutes, never had the ball in a one-possession game. This was the worst loss of the year. They go down 121-112. That's your fastest. Recap in the West. LeBron James, 37 points, 11 boards, 4 assists. Dennis Schroeder had 24. Thomas Bryant went Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 31 points, 14 rebounds, and a block shot in 33 minutes. He was 12 of 15 from the floor. He hit four of five three-pointers. Damian Lord had 24 on five of 17 shooting. He had a, a he did not have a good second half. Avery Simon's monster first half. He finished with 31, uh, no boards, two assists. Really good first half. The Blazers scored. The Blazers scored 41 points in the second half after 45 in the third quarter. Jeremy Grant had 19. Josh Hart 13, 10, and seven to go with two steals. Yusuf Nurkic only played 16 minutes. He was he just foul trouble, ineffective turnovers. Um, finished with two points, three boards, two assists. Uh, committed four fouls, had a couple a couple turnovers. Uh, they went with Drew Eubanks. Drew played 30 minutes because he was the best center, and he got physically dominated. The Blazers got dominated by Thomas Bryant, and I'll tell you this. Thomas Bryant is a fun story because he plays incredibly hard and he wears his very emotional, emotive face. Like he's he's fun to watch if you're like not a Laker hater, but like he's a, he's an enjoyable player to watch because he just he's playing. You could see you could he plays with his full emotions on display. But the Blazers turned him into Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He had a line that, in terms of this was shared in the broadcast by Kevin Calabro, thanks KC, uh, that. The 25-plus points and 10-plus boards on 60% shooting or 65% shooting that only Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had. I don't even know the stat. Like, it doesn't matter. The point is that he did something in a Laker uniform that only Wilt and Kareem did because he dominated the Blazers in the second half. Absolutely beat them down. Beat them down. Beat them down. A non-competitive second half. I don't. I, I don't really want to talk about any more of the basketball stuff. Like I was, I was excited to talk about the second quarter and how fun it was, and Anthony Simons busting out of his slump, and how, blah 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 blah. But at the end of the game, Patrick Beverly's tapping his wrist and and pretending that his watch is broken because the sparring match that he had that kind of that sparked the Blazers in the second quarter, he got the last laugh. And what it made me think was, how could they possibly do this again? How could they possibly do this again? Something, they got to try something else. 
They got to try something else. The Blazers started the year 10 and 14, 10 and 4 in their first 14 games. They're 11 and 21 since. That's basically half the season of being a, a legitimately bad basketball team. I mean, like, 30 games. Half the year. Half the year of being bad. Like, how can you do this again? And, and the answer to my own question that I'm posing here is you can't. You can't. You cannot. So let's talk about what absolutely has to change in the second segment. But before I do that, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Um, I play prize picks on the app, but you can also visit prizepicks.com. And however you do it, uh, you are just going against the numbers that prize picks sets. So they set the line. I play basketball, so it's points, rebounds, assists. They set the line, and you choose above or below that line. They got every sport, though, not just basketball. And like I said, it's just you versus the lines. No sharks, no uh, no field, no nothing. Just you versus the numbers, and you can win some money up to you can pick between two and six players on every ballot and win up to 25 times. Times your money if you go perfect six for six. And right now, they are offering first time users a 100% deposit match up to $100 when you use the promo code locked on. So go to pricepicks.com, go uh, or download the app. And when you are signing up, use the promo code locked on and they will match you 100 up 100% on your first deposit. Put in 100 bucks, give you 100 bucks. Put in 50 bucks, give you 50 bucks. That's how it works. Super simple. Go take advantage. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to get up to $100 on your first deposit. All right. So, after the game, uh, Chauncey Billups intimated that changes after a game like this, his staff would would have to consider changes. And, and, um, uh, they would have to consider it. The, the implication, based on what I watched, was that changes are upcoming. But the question is not... The question is really, the question is this, what can they even do? What can they even do? Because here's the thing, you can't do nothing. You cannot trot out this same thing again. You cannot trot out the same rotation again. Like trying Drew Eubanks because because it was a bad use of Nurkic night, does, it's, it, that is not enough. Um, quite frankly, Josh Hart was really good tonight. He was good. Like, he was good. He, he couldn't really guard LeBron James, but nobody can. And, like, it's that's an unfair ask because he's just not the right size. Uh, you know, it's, this wasn't a bad Josh Hart night. The obvious move is to like take Josh Hart out of the starting lineup and insert Nazir Little. Great. It's a great move. Uh, I thought Nazir Little was going to start from the beginning of the year. I thought moving uh, Josh Hart to the bench and giving him the ball in his hands a little bit more, letting him be a secondary creator, letting him actually run pick and rolls with the ball in his hands, something he did a lot in New Orleans before the Blazers acquired him, something he did a lot after the Blazers acquired him, but something he basically hasn't done. I thought, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I've been a proponent of it. I kind of thought they were going to do it more this year, and they haven't. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see it. Let's see Nazir Little start a basketball game. I thought Nazir Little was good in this game. I didn't even read you off his stat line because I was frustrated in general with the Blazers. He had 11 points in 13 minutes. Um, he hit three of five three-pointers. He had nine points in his first shift, and he only played six minutes. I have no idea why he came out of the game. But then the Blazers ripped off like a 1,000 points from there, outscored the Lakers 45-13 in the, in the second quarter. And so nitpicking about Nazir Little's minutes didn't seem important. Did not seem like it was important. But I thought he should have played more in the second half. It is not important. They didn't lose this game because Nazir Little didn't like get an extra three minutes in the first half or whatever, or he, he didn't get a bigger shift in the second half. But that's the obvious move, right? get Josh out of the starting lineup. Um, 
they're not going to break up the Amphrey Simons and Damon Lillard pairing. Um, and quite frankly, let's let me just put this on the table. I got this as a mailbag question, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna spoil it right now. If you are clamoring to move Amphrey Simons to the sixth man role, what you are actually asking for is for Amphrey Simons to play less. Let me explain it to you. Ant plays every single minute that Damian Lillard sits. Ant plays every minute that Dame's out of the game. He already plays all those minutes. So if you're moving him to the bench to a six-man role so he can get the minutes that Dame that Dame's out of the game, he's already getting those, y'all. He's been playing every single one of those minutes all year long. So what you're actually asking for is to break up the pairing even more and play Ant less. Is that a good idea? Do you watch this team and say they need to play Ant less? No, you say Dame and Ant don't work very well together. But but what you're asking for is to play, if you're clamoring for him to come off the bench, what you are saying is, I want Amphrey Simons to play 29 minutes, not 35. There is no way six minutes less of Ant, look at the freaking roster, is going to make this team better. Their offense is a nightmare. Taking Ant off the court for six extra minutes is not going to make them better on offense. So that ain't the change. Nazir Little is a fine change. It might help. It might honestly might help, but it's not a drastic one. They're not going to change the Damon Ant thing because it you it literally doesn't work. It just there is the, the math the minutes math doesn't work. It's um it's a big brain thing to think that you can somehow get more minutes play them the, the exact same split and get more minutes out of it. You can't you can't you can't do it. It's not how it works. So what else would you do? And that's where I'm at with this team. They got to do something different, but what do they even do? What they do is they make a trade, but they're not going to make a trade between tonight and tomorrow's game, right? Like, I mean, if they do, that'd be fun, but like, they're not. It's not going to happen by Monday against the Spurs, probably not going to happen by Wednesday. We're talking probably deadline days when this team makes a trade and what, and, and, are they going to drastically tear it down? And what is that? What does that even look like? So, the final thing that you're screaming and you've been screaming into your headphones this whole time is fire the coach. And I say, sure, but they won't too much money left on his contract. Too many, too much money, too many guaranteed years left on his contract to eat that money and go pay another coach. The, the, the ownership's just not going to do it. And if they were willing to do it, sure. Like I'm, I'm totally misreading the Allen estates. Like, well-documented several years of um, how they have handled finances. I very well might be. Other people have pushed back um, who are smart about the uh, Blazers' willingness to spend spend money. (laughs) But uh, in general, um, so even if I'm wrong about the Allen Estate, what are you going to do? Interim coach Scott Brooks is going to change this game, change, change this team's direction? I mean, Scott Brooks is like a, you know, he's had some, he's had some successful years in the league for sure. Coached some good basketball teams. But if you look on that bench and say, Scott Brooks is the savior, me and you aren't seeing the same thing. Scott Brooks is part of the architect of this whole thing. He's the associate head coach or whatever, lead assistant. I don't know what his title is exactly, but like, he's the lead guy. How Firing Chauncey and bringing the guy who helped him build it doesn't seem like it's a, it's a big enough move. And you can't really hire a whole coaching staff in the season. So all of the moves that they have, and I, 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 I want to be clear, they should make a change to the starting lineup. They absolutely should start Nazir Little. Um, they should try Josh Hart with more 
on the ball reps with the second, um, with that second unit, they should, I don't know, but go, go, go funky small with, with, uh, Jamari Walker playing power forward minutes, but that isn't really a solution either. Like the solution isn't there. They got to try something different, but if you look at realistically, what are the different things they can do? That's just not that many on the roster that actually, um, you know, that are, I think the starting lineup thing's fine. And I think it could conceivably help, but it's not saving this season. It might make them better in the near term. It might shake up enough that it gets them going and that they start playing to their potential. But they didn't lose because the starting lineup has been bad. They lost this game because the backup center, or excuse me, the replacement center, he starts. Brian's been good. He out-physicaled them and they didn't have an answer for him because they forced zero turnovers in the second half and allowed the Lakers to shoot 57%. Uh, the Lakers shot 6 of 15 from 3, right? That's 40%. That's well above the Lakers' team averages from 3 on the year. Uh, that's a little bit better. But like 6 threes is not the reason that you lost. They got killed in the paint. And then... The turnovers that allowed them to get out in transition, the Lakers just stopped turning the ball over. They were just sharper with the ball. After seven turnovers in the second quarter alone, zero after halftime, 57% shooting. They lost because they got out physicaled, because they got gave up buckets at the rim, and because their offense, when you are physical with them, gets bad shots, and everyone knows it. They can get taken out of games with physicality too easily. It happens all the time. So I am desperate for them to change something because I am tired of recording this flavor of podcast. I am capable of whatever, of anger and fire or whatever. But the thing that I like about basketball is that it brings me joy when it's played well. And the Blazers aren't playing well. I don't even care about wins and losses. Like, I'm not like that. I'm not, I'm not holding on to the wins and losses. If they play well, like the the other last week when they lost to the, the Cavs, they played really well in that game. They just lost. It's a fun, fun basketball game. Tonight, they got dogged by Thomas Bryant after halftime. Thomas Bryant beat him up, and they had no solution for him. Their 300-pound center could not stay on the floor and was ineffective and was turning the ball over. They rolled with the backup center to run a different style of defense, and he got physically dominated, and the offense scored 41 points after halftime. Blazers didn't score 115, so they lost. It's what they do. They're 11-21 and 21 over their last 32 games. It's a bad basketball team that's been playing like it. They have to change something, and I think they probably will based on Chauncey Billups' comments. But what I feel like this evening, I'm recording this on Sunday night, is that it doesn't freaking matter because they're stuck in this rut until they change the roster in some meaningful way. Justice Winslow coming back doesn't solve this. It makes them a little bit better. So we're talking incremental changes. But this is this feels bigger than that. This feels this feels like I have called the low point a couple times this year, and I'm probably going to stop doing that. This feels like we're approaching that, but we'll just see. Because why call it now? Why call it? Why call it now? Why call it now? This was the home heavy schedule to prove it. They proved it. All right, I got some joy to close the show. I really do. I really do. If you if you've made it this far. Come with me to the end of the show because I I, I want to bring you, I want to bring, I have some real, real joy I would like to share with you. I want to talk 
about Bill Shonley. The Shons. I want to talk about the Shons. Join me in the third segment, please. But first, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. That's right. The NFL playoffs are here, and I'm really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel, and if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers can join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. It's all on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, or if you're a basketball fan, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash Locked on. Make every moment with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. I want to close with a little bit of joy. The Blazers lost two members of the broadcast team uh, over the weekend. John Curry, longtime camera operator who worked for the franchise for 30 years and was ubiquitous if you ever did anything with Blazer Broadcasting, was literally always around for every event, everywhere, in studio, on the court, whatever it was, John Curry was there. He passed away this weekend. Rest in peace, John. Blazer Cam 4. Blazers also lost a franchise icon in Bill Shonley, the original voice of Rip City, the man who coined the phrase. And to honor both gentlemen, I want to share my memory to two people who love the Blazers. I want to share a memory of, of Bill Shonley. Uh, for some context for me, I didn't move to Portland into, until the fall of 2006. Uh, by that time, Shonley had been off the air for almost a decade. He was uh, the Blazers radio and television and sometimes radio and television uh, broadcaster from 1970, the, the inaugural season until 1998. He was away from the team a little bit and then was rehired as an ambassador alumni and just like a, someone who was an ambassador, truly uh, embodied the word ambassador for the franchise. By the time I was here, uh, he was not on, on the air. In fact, you know, I grew up on the other side of the country. I don't have memories of Bill Shonley as an announcer. I have seen a lot of videos. I've written, um, I've written an essay for a, for a book published by the Oregonian about the invention of the phrase Rip City, which Bill Shonley coined in the 1970 season. He would like you to know that. It's one of his great claims. Great, it's one of his most pride, prideful moments is that he named this place that you call your basketball home Rip City Baby. So I don't know Bill Shonley as a, as the announcer other than from the lore and from the radio calls I've heard on YouTube and from all the great clips that the team has shared. What I know him about is a man in his 80s who loved, 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 loved the Trailblazers. Uh, I started covering the team full-time in the 2014-15 season. I had done some other stuff with the team dating back to about 2011, here and there. I'd poke in and poke, poke around and, and do things. Uh, so when you work in the media world, uh, in the way that I did, you get some small assignments and you do what you're told. I did what I was told. I got to cover the Blazers. It was a joy. I got to cover them full-time. Remains a joy. The Shonley I knew was just someone who loved the team. 
And he, the people I know that work for the team love Bill Shonley because he says yes to everything because he wants you to love the Trailblazers. He really does. He really does. And so he would, when they'd ask him to do something, Shons would say, yes, I'll do it. I'll do something silly. I'll do some promotional seriousness. I will lend my golden pipes to whatever you want. That's what Shons... Sean's said yes to stuff. The Bill Shonley Valentines, that's classic stuff right there. So here's what I'll offer you in parting. Bill Shonley in his, at 92 years old, past the age of 93, but at 92 years old, he had a retirement ceremony at the Moda Center. He did pregame media for 30 minutes and he did a postgame, another ceremony that Lamar Heard emceed. It was great. And I came away thinking one thing that really will stick with me for probably forever. It's kind of kind of basketball brain and heart that I have. It's that Bill Shonley truly, truly, and deeply loved the Trailblazers. Loved them. Loved them. They were, they were his world, and he made sure that where he went, people knew he was the mayor of Rip City because it was important to him because he loved them in his bones. We would all be so lucky to love something as deeply and as truly for as long as Sean's loved the Trailblazers. So after this game, you don't have to love this team, like this iteration of the team. You don't even have to love the laundry right now. But I'll challenge you uh, with the understanding that life is can be short and unexpected and be taken from us before we're ready or for someone like Bill Shonley, someone who felt immortal. I want to challenge you, dear listener, to find something that you love truly and deeply and try to hold on to it for as long as Sean's did. Because really... Finding your joy and clinging to it the way Bill Shonley did is the best way to live your life. I, it doesn't have to be the Trailblazers. It doesn't have to be this stupid podcast. Find something you love. Find someone you love. Find a thing that makes you truly happy and hold it with you for as long as you possibly can. Bye.